welcome CTSNet friends, my name's Joel Dunning and I'm delighted to bring you this very special AATS edition of the CTSNet podcast. Uh, we're going to talk to you all about the latest from the AATS but that's not all, we've got journal and news scans and we've got some great videos. Uh, we've got news about a randomised controlled trial in albumin versus ringers, we've got some news from African circulator arrest surgery, we've got some amazing congenital videos uh, and a really good one hour seminar in surgical aortic valve replacement that you can tune into. There's loads in this packed edition so don't go away uh, and let's get started with this CTSNet podcast. So of course the big news this week was the fantastic AATS meeting in Los Angeles. Congratulations to everybody at the AATS for doing such a brilliant meeting. I don't think the word COVID was mentioned once. Isn't it great that we can all meet together? Uh, the exhibition halls were packed, uh, really thronging, really exciting, really interactive. And uh, the other really great thing is that over 1,600 abstracts submitted this year. That's a record for the AATS. So congratulations, we really are back with a bang and we really uh, really understand what it's like to have in-person meetings. So Yolanda Coulson uh, was the president this year. Uh, she gave her presidential address and, and I didn't actually realise that she actually has a degree as well as medicine in engineering and, uh, and I think that was somehow reflected in some of the programme. It was really diverse. They had such interesting different speakers. Uh, one of the keynote speakers was Judy Woodruff. Uh, she's the anchor for the PBS NewsHour on American TV. And, uh, and she gave a great talk all about uh, what news can we trust in an era of misinformation and disinformation. You know, it couldn't be more timely uh, to have a discussion like that, uh, which is absolutely fantastic. Another really good highlight keynote talk was by Siddhartha Mukherjee. He's a Pulitzer Prize winning author. Um, he wrote the book The Emperor of All Maladies. Well what is the Emperor of All Maladies? Well it's cancer of course uh, and he gave a fan fascinating look into the story of cancer. He's actually written a second book as well called The Song of the Cell again uh, about cancer and the future and really it is such an exciting future. The, the way we're going to fight and treat cancer it's exploding uh, with the targeted cell therapies, immunotherapies, personalised treatments. So two really great uh, non-surgical uh, uh, talks there. There were others as well, actually. Uh, Gilda Barabino, president of the College of Engineering, uh, gave a really interesting talk all about um, how we can address health disparities. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting. And then from our side of the pond, Tony Rue gave a, a keynote speech speech. Uh, uh, he's such a wonderful person with over 30 years experience in thoracic surgery, in particular esophageal surgery. And the wonderful thing he shared about was uh, his experience working in West Africa. It's absolutely horrifying to think that there's a huge number of young kids that get caustic soda burns. Um, you may not know, but uh, but a way to make a little bit of money is to make soap out in Africa. And a lot of governments make caustic soda available so you can make soap, but it doesn't come with childproof tops and it looks like milk. So a child will take a big glug and that will cause a terrible esophageal burn that will cause permanent damage to the esophagus. And he told us all about addressing these terrible severe strictures. 
there was so much more at the AATS as well. There was a business summit. There was a really nice session I like from Jennifer Lawton, um, basically sort of questioning, you know, why aren't we all doing total arterial grafting? The evidence is out there. And, uh, and, and saying basically, well, maybe it's due to our, our incentivization system. We all have to do Lima to LAD and it's a mark of quality. And surely we should use a second or total arterial grafting as a marker of quality. Maybe that would drive change. I thought that was quite interesting. There are a load of masterclasses uh, that were all given and, and probably the standout one was maybe from the amazing Pat McCarthy. Again, he spent so many years uh, looking into mitral repair. He gave a great masterclass and not only on how to do it, but also how to teach people. And there, were, there was a person there, you know, people that he had taught that could then sort of pass on his knowledge, which was great. And then I think probably the number one standout session for me was one run by Tor Sunt and Craig Smith. It was the management of iatrogenic emergencies. Yes, emergencies caused by us. It really was a look and you could only look behind your fingers because it was kind of squeaky bum time. Uh, they addressed uh, all those worst emergencies, posterior LV rupture after you've done a mitral replacement, um, myocardial ischemia after a bentals. What are you going to do next? Next, you causing an interoperative type A dissection when you're doing an AVR or grafts or something, catastrophic sternal reentry and redo surgery, um, emergency conversion uh, after in robotic surgery, um, iatrogenic VSD when you're doing a myectomy, um, and that horrible one, uh, annular rupture if you're doing a TAVA. So congratulations. Um, I think I'd basically just like to ring you two uh, every time I have one of those complications, but uh, but you certainly gave some great hints and tips on, on how to address all those emergencies. So in summary, congratulations AATS, absolutely wonderful meeting, well done. Uh, we're gonna give, give some more shout outs and some more videos, hopefully. Uh, we've had our editors out there doing a few interviews and off the podium, so, so do look out on the CTSnet website for more uh, content from the AATS. So uh, we are profiling three journal and new scan items that stood out for us. So check out the website on Jans uh, to check these out. The first one was quite interesting, I thought. Uh, Trumo uh, are really famous for doing brilliant frozen elephant trunks. You've got a massive dilated aorta. You're going to chuck that frozen elephant trunk in, a, in an anterograde fashion, and then you'll do your head and neck vessels. But they've got a brand new aortic thoracoflow. So from below, if you're doing an abdominal aortic aneurysm, but it's dilated uh, across the diaphragm, uh, then they've now got a kind of retrograde um, uh, sort of frozen elephant trunk. So you can put that up into the thoracic aorta and then there's a big branch graph that you can then plumb in the rest of the abdominal vessels without doing a big thoracoabdominal incision, without circulatory arrest. Uh, so look really, really good. Randy Moore, the University of Calgary is the first person in the Americas to have performed this uh, and gives a really nice account. Uh, and the other really nice thing is this access for this patient was through the Health Canada Special Access Programme for, for patients who are not suitable for off-the-shelf products. So, so a great little post there. Uh, go check it out. 
The next thing that stood out for me was a really interesting article all about Zambia's first total arch replacement with circulatory arrest. So um, Gaurav Alawadi uh, led a six-person surgical team from Ann Arbor who went uh, to Lusaka in Zambia. He paired up with Chalesi Matema, who's chief of thoracic surgery there at the National Heart Hospital. Uh, and the patient that they operated on was a 72-year-old who had a potentially fatal um, aortic dissection with an eight centimeter arch going into the carotids so they were faced with this and the only solution is is hypothermic circulatory arrest now it's a lot more difficult than you'd think uh, to just go and do these things in Africa there's so much things they don't have so the surgical team didn't have a branched aortic graft so they couldn't give um, the, the um, head and neck antegrade plegia they had to give two episodes of hypothermic circulatory arrest as they only had straight grafts they had to fashion some stuff magically thankfully it went really really well and the patient did fantastically uh, they also document another really interesting case a 49 year old with a double valve replacement who they were doing they ran out of cardioplegia kits uh, so they couldn't deliver cardioplegia so how did they do it well they thought out of the box they got together as, as a team and they used cross cut fibrillation they used fibrillatory arrest uh, to repair a mitral and secondly uh, repairing the tricuspid valve they didn't have a ring so they had to make a ring out of felt well congratulations that really is thinking on your feet they've all done really well and uh, and it's wonderful to see um, CTSnet really want to support missions. Um, uh, we think it's going to be a, a new thing we want to support far more heavily over the next five years because it's so important. Um, I've been on five missions myself and and uh, and when I leave my own institution, if I'm not doing an operation, someone else does the operation for that patient. But when you go out to the developing world, if you don't do the operation, nobody's going to do the operation. That person will not survive. So, so it really does make a difference. And when you come back uh, to your institution, you know, problems that you have in your own Western world just don't seem quite uh, as big where, when you actually run out of medications, don't have tube grafts, don't have cardioplegia. So congratulations to that team and everybody doing missions out in the third world. The next news item that jumped out at me was a really big randomised controlled trial. Um, this was the Albix trial uh, run by Eero Pesanen from Finland uh, and it randomised uh, 1,386 patients having heart surgery uh, to either using 4% albumin or ringers lactate for priming your bypass surgery, your bypass circuit uh, or, and volume replacement. So you either use one or the other in a random Random fashion, remember, completely randomized. And um, so all the rest of the surgical techniques were exactly the same. And the differences were really quite big. So they employed a bleeding grade. And in the severe bleeding grade, it was 10% in the, in the albumin group versus only 3% in the ringers group. 45% um, of the albumin group got red blood cells versus 31% in the ringers group. 33% got platelets in the albumin group, only 20% in the ringers group. And, you know, this stuck out to me the most, re-stenotomy in 5% of the albumin group and only 1.9% in the ringers group. That's big differences um, in what you use for your volume replacement and your, cardio, your, your bypass prime. So I think that was really impressive, really important findings there. Go check that out. It's the Annals of Thoracic Surgery this month. 
So that's our Jans uh, editions and something from the ATS. And now uh, I'd like to hand you over to CTSNet to tell you more about what you can find on our website. Take advantage of the features on your profile page to tell the CTSNet community more about yourself. Head to ctsnet.org user to update your background, place of work, and contact information. When you're done, head to the profiles page to stay connected with colleagues and learn more about your fellow CTSNet members. We've chosen three fabulous videos for you this week, so do please check them out on CTSNet. The first one I think is really interesting uh, uh, if you've got any interest in ECMO. Uh, this is a decannulation from Vino Venus ECMO, uh, which is just great to see if you don't do it all the time, or you might be coming to do your first. There's some really nice techniques. But the special thing here is that it was done in an awake patient. So this is by Ryan Azarafi from the University of Florida and Giles Peak. Uh, and the patient was really interesting. It was a 29-year-old man um, who had congenital hyperplastic right heart, pulmonary hypertension, dextrocardia, and, uh, and he'd been in hospital several months before he finally got his heart-lung transplantation. Um, the post-operative period was complicated by coagulopathy and uh, graft dysfunction. So he went on to VV ECMO, uh, he went to renal failure, etc., etc. You know, the, the standard fare for heart-lung transplantation. But anyway, he did quite well. So they extubated him on ECMOs to facilitate pulmonary rehabilitation so he could sit up, he could talk and he could interact and he could cough which is really really good and then uh, on day 22 of ECMO he was doing really really well and he was satisfying all the criteria for decannulation and this is where the video starts uh, they document really nicely the removal of the femoral cannula followed by the right internal jugular cannula and the things that stood out for me from this video was uh, the really careful and meticulous way they emptied all the blood from the circuit to minimize blood loss and then amazingly um, they literally just did a purse string around the cannula they pulled the cannula and tied it and they didn't press at all and they said in the video you don't need to press as long as no hematoma is forming uh, which is really great if you're doing it awake so you're not having to sort of push which could be really sore and painful for the patient and it was amazing they showed that in the video so congratulations uh, that's a really fantastic and impressive video uh, and it was also the winner of the residence video competition so congratulations to Ryan Azrafi for that. Our second video uh, is in tribute to James Tweddle. As many of you may know, he lost his battle with cancer on July the 1st, 2022, and was probably one of the greatest congenital heart surgeons uh, in our community. Uh, in respect of this, uh, Alan O'Donnell from the Cincinnati Children's Hospital has done an absolute blinder of a job uh, of a series of videos in honour uh, of James Tweddle. And this video, not just is it an amazing, beautiful video, but it has been so well put together. It's been annotated. There's really good stop and start and uh, shows you exactly what's going on and what did they do it on? Well, they chose um, the How I Do It by James Tweddle, the single ventricle palliation with Norwood Sarno, 
bidirectional glen and extra cardiac fontan. So it's a series of three videos. Um, the video uh, up this week is the stage one palliation. So in this video, it shows the Norwoods with Sarno, right ventricle to pulmonary artery conduit. And then stage two, which is a different video, is the bidirectional glen. And then stage three later on is the extra cardiac fontan. So it's really detailed. It's half an hour long. So, so it's really great. And for myself, um, I never did uh, congenital cardiac surgery, but I'm absolutely fascinated by this completely different branch uh, of cardiac surgery. And this was so good for showing uh, in really perfect detail the exact steps. It showed, first of all, opening the chest in this tiny um, child that was only a couple of days post-delivery, um, the uh, suturing of a graft to the innominate artery, only 3.5 millimeters in diameter. Then they used that graft to, to commence cardiopulmonary bypass. They cooled the patient down to 20 degrees centigrade. Um, and then they, uh, they harvested a, um, a patch to fashion two patches. They show us in the video two patches. One patch is the patch aortoplasty, and the second one is to patch the branch PA confluence. Then, so when they get down to 20 degrees centigrade, and this always freaks us as adult cardiac surgeons, they took the venous pipe out, they went into deep hypothermic circulatory arrest, and they opened the septum to make a common atrium by, by excising the whole uh, atrial septum. Uh, they then put the cannula back in and they divided the ductus uh, and then they went on to do the neo-auto reconstruction. Uh, they then performed the damask case stencil procedure so that the coronary arteries were being really well perfused uh, and that was nicely shown uh, and then they do the second part of the neo-aortic reconstruction. Then they do the right ventricle to pulmonary artery conduit, the Sarno procedure, um, and successfully wean for cardiopulmonary bypass. So really beautiful job. Even if you're not an expert congenital surgeon, just watch it for the beauty of the operation uh, and the fantastically edited video. And, and just for your own interest, uh, it was really, really good. So well done. And then the final video we have for you uh, this week is a really, really good uh, middle of the bat, uh, meaty surgical aortic valve replacement one hour seminar uh, led by Vivek Rao of the Toronto General Hospital. He was the moderator. He was joined by William Brinkman, uh, a cardiac surgeon from the Baylor Scott Hospital in Texas, Barbara Hamilton from the University of Mich Michigan, Bo Yang from Michigan, and Sarah Palmer from Michigan, was at Michigan, uh, now at Abbott Northwestern Hospital. Uh, so it's really, really good. It was sponsored, so we're very grateful to Medtronic for sponsoring this. And uh, and, and they highlighted the Avalus valve. Um, they've just done a really big cohort study on the Avalus valve, uh, looking at a cohort of over a thousand patients. And a few standout things came from that. Uh, firstly, uh, the mortality of the patients was only 0.5%. So that's brilliant. Five in a thousand patients. That's really, really outstanding surgery from multiple, multiple centers uh, in America and beyond. Well, well done. The SDS risk score of note was 2%. So surgeons are, are smashing it, a quarter of the mortality of what should be predicted. The second thing was really good five-year outcomes. There was a 97% freedom for re-intervention uh, from these tissue valves. And, uh, and also 
Uh, interestingly, they said there was a 1.3% uh, uh, bleeding rate post-operatively, and, uh, and it is an international study, and they concluded they thought that the reason for that bleeding is that there are a lot of centres across Europe that give three months of anticoagulation after an aortic valve replacement. Now, some of those patients will have atrial fibrillation, but some that's routine in their practice. What do you think about that? Certainly, uh, this panel felt that it, it is not necessary to give three months of anticoagulation when you're having a biological valve. Probably an area that we need to perform further studies in, isn't it, really? But certainly, um, that is causing an increasing bleeding rate. Uh, you may argue that uh, that a bleeding rate is fixable and a stroke isn't, uh, but 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 uh, but really an interesting little discussion was had on this video. Um, the other thing that really stood out for me was Bo Yang's absolutely immaculate description of his uh, his Y incision technique for aortic root enlargements. Um, this, he says, uh, he started in 2020 um, and it has been written up in the JTCVS. He makes a, a vertical incision between the non-coronary and the left coronary cusp. But unlike other incisions like the Manugian uh, and, and Nix, uh, where you go right down further more deeply, you may go into the basal ring or even into the anterior mitral leaflet, he cuts down then goes across so that you don't cut into the mitral leaflet which, which he says is, is safer and it's pretty easy and he then just patches it and he can really enlarge roots very simply with that technique so check out his video about that I thought it was really interesting what do you think about it we would love to hear what you think about any of these videos just uh, provide a comment below uh, and uh, and let's let's hear what you think about the Y technique versus Manugio or Nix or just shoving a really small valve into a into uh, the annulus. I mean, is patient prosthesis mismatch really a thing? What do you think? Let us know in the comments below. So upcoming events, if you, if the AATS has taste, uh, given you the taste for more meetings, then there's lots coming up. Um, in Dubai, uh, there is a World Congress on Heart and Cardiovascular Diseases. It's just on the 19th of May. It, it is a hybrid event, so you can uh, log on online. Um, and it's all about novel progression through heart and cardiovascular research. Uh, there's lots of different areas. There's nuclear and molecular cardiology, pediatrics, cardiac nurse, uh, and all sorts of different things. So check that out. Uh, there's links on our website. A really fantastic event is going to be held on the 23rd of May. It's the Hamburg Valve Repair course. It's a training course and it's not only mitral but also aortic valve repair. Um, this is held uh, in collaboration with the University Hospital of Hamburg uh, and also the University Hospital of Augsburg. And, uh, and really it's it's really never come of age in widespread use aortic valve repair, has it? And we've talked about things like the Avalus valve, but uh, but here in this uh, conference, you maybe will be able to see the latest techniques for aortic valve repair as well as uh, mitral, which really has uh, is of age and really is the default way to to repair. Uh, mitral regurgitation. So check that out. Uh, it should be really interesting. The final thing for thoracic surgeons amongst you is that EACs hold regular case corners and the next thoracic surgery case corner is on May the 25th. This is a session of complex uh, thoracic cases. Um, they'll give you the description of the patients, all the imaging and a discussion together with, with the audience. Uh, it is fully virtual uh, so just register anytime and you can watch that uh, online and that's on May the 25th. 
Well, we're getting near the end of our podcast, but we always have two final sessions. The first one is entitled, Where's Diego? Diego, the world roving thoracic surgeon, uh, uh, world's most famous thoracic surgeon, uh, and also has a foundation. Where is he this week? Well, last week he was in Kuwait. He flew to Costa Rica for just 24 hours, and there he performed bilateral segmentectomies, one on the left, one on the right, in a patient post-chemotherapy. Uh, he told us we didn't have time for surfing much as he'd have liked and he got back in a plane off he went to Madrid uh, I believe he did a few sympathectomies and then he hopped straight over to Bucharest to start some uniportal robotics so check out next week to see where Diego is next week and finally our honourable mention goes to Emily Farkas Emily Farkas as well as being one of our CTS Net uh, editors she's editor for Global Health and being an absolutely wonderful fantastic uh, paediatric and adult cardiac surgeon also is the most amazing uh, mission proctor and mission surgeon. Uh, she actually was our mission proctor back in 2019. She came out when we did our first mission to Ghana and she was absolutely fabulous. So smooth, so relaxed. Uh, and she's been on so many heart surgery missions all over the world. And I would just like to mention she went out to Ghana uh, in March this year and she performed Ghana's uh, first hypothermic uh, circulatory arrest case. A really young girl uh, with a dilated aortic root going up into the head and neck vessels. She needed a bentles, uh, and so she performed a dynamic hypothermic circulatory arrest. And again, don't underestimate the, the difficulty. They have no platelets, no FFP. They generally get their blood off the patient the month before or off their relatives. You have very severe limitations what you can do. Coagulopathy is a nightmare but the patient thankfully did really really well and uh, and we've got some beautiful photographs of that patient leaving hospital day 11. So honourable mention to you Emily Farkas, you're a complete hero and uh, you know wonderful example to us all about how you should combine your daily work uh, with, with some weeks maybe every year going out and helping those uh, who are less fortunate than us in the West. So that's it, thank you very much for watching to the end. Uh, I really am very grateful so from all of us here at CTS Net and myself Joel Dunning uh, thank you very much and tune in next week for our CTS Net podcast.